welcome to a, another edition of Sanctified Reason. Sanctified Reason is a podcast where Dan Delzell and myself, Sonny, them sit at the crossroads of faith and pop culture and talk about the issues that come our way. And Dan, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world right now that I want to get to, but I wanted to start off by playing a clip from Alistair Begg. It's something I saw on social media. And it really kind of brings home our focus that no matter what is going on in the world, there is an answer, there's a focus, and there's something that we can do to keep our eyes on someone to kind of help us navigate this whole turmoil that we're going through. So I want to start off um, and play this clip and then get your response, and then we can delve into the conversation. If you were to die tonight and, and, and you were to get an entry into heaven, what would you say? If you answer that, and if I answer it in the first person, we've immediately gone wrong. Because I, because I believed, because I have faith, because I am this, because I am continuing. Loved ones, the only proper answer is in the third person, because he, because he, Think about the thief on the cross. What an immense... I can't can't wait to find that fellow one day to ask him, how did that shake out for you? Because you 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 were cussing the guy out with your friend... You've never been in a Bible study. You never got baptized. You, never, you didn't know a thing about church membership. And, and, yet, and yet, you made it. You made it. How did you make it? That's what the angel must have said. You know, like, what are you doing here? Well, I don't know. What, what do you mean you don't know? Well, because like, I don't know. Well, you know, we, uh, did you, Excuse me, let me get my supervisor. They go get the supervisor ranger. So we have just a few questions for you. First of all, are you are you are you are you clear on the doctrine of justification by faith? <laughs> the guy said, I never heard of it in my life. And and what about let's just go to the doctrine of scripture immediately. This guy's just staring. And eventually in frustration he says, On on what basis are you here? And he said. The man on the middle cross said, I can come. Now, now, that's the, that is the only answer. Dan, that's the only answer to a lot of things in life and is Jesus. Keep our eyes on Jesus. Jesus has paid the price for us to save us from our sins. And if we keep our eyes on him and focus on him, we should spend eternity in heaven and I thought that was kind of a an interesting. Hey, he has nothing to do. The, the comments have nothing to do with the current events of the world that are going on right now. But it's just something that I thought that struck home. It's the simplest of things, because the man on the middle cross said, "I can come." And oftentimes we forget about that. We forget that Jesus is the reason why we get to do a lot of things. We get to have hope. We get to have eternal life. We get to have healing. We get to have a number of things. And so I thought maybe we could just start off with that, get your thoughts on, you know, what that means to us to have Jesus being our middleman on the middle cross saying that we can be here. Yeah. What a wonderful topic to, uh, to discuss on. And, you know, 
I've often asked people a very similar question to what Alistair Begg uh, put forth there. You know, I've often asked people, if you were to stand before God and he were to say to you, why should I let you into heaven? What would you tell him? And it's amazing, son, how many people, including really the majority of Americans, answer that question by talking about, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty good person. Uh, I think I've done this. I think I've done that. Uh, just kind of go to Alistair Begg's point. You know, if you, if you are going to talk about things you've done, then you're, you're really, you, you don't yet understand uh, the, the plan of salvation. If you think that somehow your deeds, your works are going to get you, get you into heaven. So I, I appreciate uh, the question there that he posed. And I, I think it really does cut to the chase. You know, Dr. D. James Kennedy at Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church, um, who has now you know been in heaven for a number of years, but I, I know when I was younger and, and many people, um, you know, in, in, uh, the, uh, the 70s and 80s and, and 90s, uh, you know, we're so blessed by D. James Kennedy. Uh, and his his messages, you know, he started a, an evangelism program called Evangelism Explosion and actually trained many people there in their church to go out into the neighborhoods, into the community. And, and that's what they would ask people, uh, essentially what uh, Dr. Begg there presented, because it cuts through so much. Uh, it, it cuts to the main point uh, that really divides religion from Christianity, from a relationship with Jesus, uh, because at the end of the day, son, it, it, it boils down to, am I trying to work my way to heaven, or rather, do I believe that Jesus paid my way, and I'm just simply relying on that? I mean, I, you know, uh, as you say, the man on the middle cross, you know, uh, I, I'm... I'm believing that, and I know, you know, that he died for me. Uh, I know that heaven is my home. I know that my redeemer lives. Uh, I know that my sins are forgiven, not because of anything I've done, uh, but because of what he did at the cross. And, and so you're right, Simon, when you say, as you did here a little bit ago, that, you know, with all the stuff that's going on right now in the world, um, at the end of the day, it does it does boil down to this. It, it boils down to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. What do we we mean by that? Well, you know, we 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 mean that you enter that relationship through faith, and then you grow in that relationship through obedience. But you're saved by grace through faith in Christ. You're saved on the front end of your relationship with God. And, and so the Bible uses words like redeemed and forgiven and justified and born again, saved. And, and, and that's what it's talking about. So, so the thief on the cross, son, uh, the one who said, you know, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He was saved there at the last minute. And praise the Lord that he was. I'm sure, son, one day you and I will get to meet him and visit with him. I mean, we're going to have lots of time in heaven uh, to be able to, uh, to to talk to people. And, um, uh, you know, I have no doubt that, you know, we'll, uh, we'll come across him at some point. But he's there. Uh, he's there right now. Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. So how could a, how could a criminal, 
how could a criminal get in at the last minute? Well, it's only by the grace of God. Um, it's only through the cross. And, and so that's the message that we have to share in a world, son, that once again has been, um, you know, just uh, devastated by the recent terrorist attack by Hamas. And, and, and so people uh, want hope. They want to know that, that God loves them and that in spite of the terror, in spite of the evil that these terrorists have perpetrated and continue to perpetrate um, uh, upon, you know, women, babies, young girls, other, you know, people, all sorts of, you know, just civilians, uh, you know, who does that? Well, uh, someone who is terribly lost, um, filled with evil, which by the way, uh, you know, the, the guy who wrote much of the new Testament had lived, uh, similar to that, maybe not to that degree. I, I don't believe Saul of Tarsus was going around, certainly cutting, you know, decapitating babies as we're told that these terrorists did and other terrible things, but, but he was a bad, he was a bad guy. Saul was persecuting Christians, um, trying to haul them off to prison and, and, and so forth. But, but he got saved. The Lord met him on the Damascus road and he was born again. And, and so there's hope today, son, even for someone who's a long way from God. And I appreciate, yeah, that clip you played there by Dr. Alistair Begg, because I, I truly believe it's just about the most important question you could ask a person. Yeah. And when we talk about, we look at what the world's been like the last few years and Alistair Begg started that clip with the premise. What if you were to die tonight? There's a lot of people that are looking at what's going on over in Israel. There's a lot of death coming out. There was a lot of people going to a peace concert in Southern Israel that never thought that they were going to experience an attack. A lot of people went to this peace concert um, you know, you think of that one German gal that was paraded around. She probably never thought that her life was going to end that night. You think of other people, um, even people that are in the Gaza Strip that might even be, uh, you know, attacking Israel. They probably didn't go into it thinking that they're going to die. Maybe they do. Maybe their mindset's different. But they don't think about the afterlife. They don't think about what is going to happen when you die. And if the premise of the clip is, if you were to die tonight, we've had the pandemic, which a lot of people lost their lives unexpectedly. We have now wars. We have a lot of crime in our country where a lot of people are being attacked for no reason. You've got people walking on the streets being attacked and killed uh, for no reason. And so that question really burns bright today in the climate that we're in is, you know, we're not promised tomorrow. And at any time, something could happen to us. And if that does happen to us, are we going to be ready? Because I think I read a clip one time or heard a clip one time that was really just bare bones, innocent. When um, it was um, Larry King was asking a panel, including John MacArthur, what happens to you when you die? And John MacArthur simply said that when you die, you immediately either enter the presence of the Lord or you don't. And then that's it. So as soon as we die, there's going to be something that either takes us to the presence of the Lord or not. And so that's a, a question that in this day and age that we really not, we need to be thinking about. What's going to happen to us if we die? Where are we going to go? What are we going to do? Um, 
And if we don't stop to think about that, then it might be too late if we're not right with God. If we're not right with Christ, it might be too late for us because after we die, it is too late. Well, that's right, Son. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. And when a person takes their final breath, then they are immediately ushered to one of two places. And the only reason we know this is because Jesus came and told us about it. And the scriptures tell us about it. You know, there was very little in the Old Testament that addressed it very specifically at all. And of course, right now, the eyes of the world are on Israel, on their response to this terror attack. Uh, As uh, I think maybe uh, Benjamin Netanyahu said right off the, right, right out of the gate after this happened is I think he said, well, you know, this is our nine 11. Um, and you know, you probably heard it said son that, you know, the number of Israelis who've already been killed, you know, the equivalent in America would be something like 35,000. So we know how devastating it was to have around 3000 people die there at 9-11, well, multiply that by 10 if you just factor in, you know, the the size of the the country and everything. So, you know, the bottom line is uh, this is just, it's completely going to change everything there uh, in Israel and in the Middle East in in, in many ways. I mean, one way or the other, there are going to be changes. But, um, you know, uh, you you just don't know. Uh, You don't know when your time's going to come. Um, you, you, you don't know, uh, you know, how much more time you have, uh, here on earth and none of us are promised tomorrow, but, uh, you know, the old Testament about the most really had said son, I, I think of, uh, Daniel 12, uh, chapter 12, verse two, it said multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. You know, that's one of the few verses, really, in the Old Testament that really addresses eternity. So you can understand why a lot of Jewish people to this day uh, and their rabbis, uh, they, they don't talk much at all about eternity. Not to say that there aren't those who believe in the immortality of the soul, but, um, you, you know, um, it's just not uh, something that, that a lot of Jewish people seem to think about uh, or talk about. But boy, when we came into the New Testament, when Jesus came, he ushered in um, so much more information. Uh, you know, first and foremost, he he gave his life. He, he, he brought in salvation. That's by far the, the, the biggest thing. The main thing Jesus did was to, to be our redeemer, to be our sacrifice for sin. Now, along with that, he also said many things that we would have no way of knowing if he had not talked about it. For example, in in Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14, Jesus said, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Uh, now, now that's not something, Son, that 
you know, God's people in the Old Testament um, were, were, were told that specifically. Um, you know, Jesus said a lot about heaven and hell. You know, it's been said that, you know, he even said more about hell than heaven. But but these are things we would we would have no knowledge of if it wasn't for what Jesus said, if it wasn't for what the New Testament then brings us. You know, hints of it in the Old Testament, certainly. And the Old Testament is just as authoritative as the New Testament, just as important for us in the sense of it being God's word, um, you know, uh, just as uh, inspired. But, but of course, obviously, we have to have the New Testament. Uh, we have to have the New Covenant. Uh, we, we, we had to have a redeemer. We had to have a savior. We have all the Old Testament prophecies that pointed to the coming Messiah. And then Jesus came and, and fulfilled those prophecies. So you're right that um, this is uh, by far the, the largest issue a person will ever face. We're all going to take our final breath one day. And the Bible says in 1 Timothy 2, 4, that God wants everyone to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. And in 2 Peter 3, 9, it says, the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that everyone should come to repentance. So God wants everyone to be saved, to repent and believe the good news. And the gospel is that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. That, of course, is in John 3. Uh, those words were spoken when Jesus was speaking to the, the Jewish uh, Pharisee, Nicodemus, who was a speaker. He came to Jesus at night. You know, he, he obviously wanted to learn more about Jesus. And, and that third chapter of John, you know, son, if a person was going to start anywhere in the Bible, and somebody said to me, you know, Dan, give me one chapter. I mean, I'd, I'd probably say, hey, well, if I can only name one chapter, read the third chapter of John to get you going, to get you started. Uh, they said, name one book. I'd say, you know, start with the Gospel of John. Um, be, be, because the Gospel of John puts it out there in a way, son, that is so clear, so powerful, um, so necessary for us. And, and that third chapter of John is just loaded with uh, information that only God could have given us. I mean, for example, after John uh, 3.16, which I quoted about everyone who believes, you know, has everlasting life, we, we read that, you know, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. I mean, that that's an amazing thought, that Jesus didn't come here to condemn people. You know, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they were very good about trying to condemn people. Like that woman who was caught in adultery, they were ready to stone her. You know, they were, they were ready to see her put to death, but not Jesus. He was ready to forgive her. He did not condemn her. In fact, he said such an incredibly wise thing to those religious leaders. He said, well, hey, you know, if you're, whoever is without sin, let him cast the first stone. And that shut their mouths pretty quickly. Be, be, be because they, well, what could they do then? You know, they, you know, they'd have to claim either to be perfect or or not. Uh, and then Jesus, of course, gave her then that very important uh, message there at the end. He said, "You know, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more." So he sent her. He sent her forth uh, to live in a new way.
um, to uh, to live in a holy way, uh, not not to continue uh, to pursue adultery, but rather to repent of that and to give her body and her soul to the Lord. You know, the Bible says all of the sins a man commits are outside his body, but he was sin sexually sensed against his own body. So she was sitting against the Lord. She was sitting against her body, but Jesus did not condemn her. He saw who she could be. He loved her, but he certainly did not uh, just send her on her way and say, oh, you know, kind of, you know, pat her on the head and say, you know, go do whatever you want to do. He said, go and sin no more. So that's, that's what Christ calls his followers to do. But we have to remember, and this goes back to Alistair Begg's question. We have to remember, though, son, we do not enter into this relationship with the Lord by our works. Um, you cannot work your way into this relationship, but you can believe your way in. That's what the New Testament teaches, because the gospel, we didn't have the gospel in the Old Testament. Now, there was God's grace for his people. There was God's love. There was, um, you know, there were, there were the prophecies about what was coming. But the gospel message itself, as is summed up in John 3.16, that only was brought to us when Christ came. So it's a remarkable story. It's an everlasting message of God's love for us. And anyone who is wise, son, will run to the cross today, to that man on the middle cross, because whether we want to admit it or not, we're all like that, that criminal on the cross. We're all guilty. We all deserve to pay for our sins. That's the teaching of the Bible. Now, we, we, we may not be uh, like that criminal in the sense of, you know, you say, well, hey, I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not in a position where, you know, the state, uh, you know, can, can try me and convict me for something. Well, that may be true. Great. But God sure can. And that's what Judgment Day is all about. Um, you know, all of us uh, have our fingerprints, as it were, in heaven's database. Um, all of us are guilty of sin. You know, there was this, uh, this man, this predator, who a couple weeks ago kidnapped that little nine-year-old girl from the state park in New York. She was camping with her family and um, out riding her bike and... Uh, she was with some friends, I guess, and she decided to do one more lap around this little loop they were riding, I guess, and um, she didn't come back. And they found her bike, but but uh, but but she was gone. Uh, now, this man uh, who who took her, this predator, um, he ended up putting uh, a ransom note in the mailbox of her parents. And there were fingerprints on that, and they were able to track him because his prints were in a, a database from a drunk driving conviction that he had back in 1999. So, thankfully, they were able to track him down that way. Or they, you know, they, they found some homes that were connected to him or his family. Um, they they went to end up going to his mom's home, and there was a camper in the back behind her house. And they ended up storming that and, and they caught him and, and, and they found the nine-year-old girl there in a cabinet covered up inside the cabinet, but she appeared to be outwardly physically unharmed. And, and so everyone was so relieved 
uh, that um, this rescue had taken place, which, which by the way, you know, we, we, we hope and pray that those who've been kidnapped by Hamas will be rescued. Um, you know, some of them have already been killed by Hamas. We don't know how many, um, but uh, it's a terrible thing. But in the case of the, the little girl in, in New York, she was she was rescued. But it was the fingerprints, Son, that, that led law enforcement to this man. I believe his name was Craig Ross Jr. And they caught him. Uh, but, but, but Son, where that, where that really impacts all of us is that heaven has got a detailed record of our life. In fact, the Bible talks about uh, on Judgment Day books being opened. Uh, and then a book, a single book, which is the book of life that contains the names of everyone who believed in Jesus as Savior. But the books contain our deeds. And that's what will be used against people to try them and, and convict them and sentence them, um, their own actions. And so in that sense, you know, uh, you know I'm not suggesting that the Bible... It talks about literal fingerprints, but it talks about something that is even stronger evidence than that. It, it talks about a record, a database, if you will, that contains um, our deeds and our misdeeds, every one of which would be enough to sentence us to eternal punishment in hell. Now you say, wait a minute, time out. That doesn't seem reasonable. Well, tell that to God. Um, it doesn't seem reasonable to you that... He would send his only son, the perfect one, without sin, to suffer and die on the cross. Hours of agony on the cross because you and I are sinners? Does that seem reasonable? What kind of love is this? You know, we don't have that kind of love, but God does. So, you know, the minute a person may be, and I can understand why, you know, a person would do that, but the minute they want to question God on his justice and and, and just how... Uh, how bad the punishment will be for those in hell. Um, stop and remind yourself that there's a lot of things about God you don't understand, uh, about his love, about his goodness. Yes, his love goes way beyond what, what we can really fathom. His justice and, and wrath against sin goes way beyond what we can really fathom. Um, and, and no, it doesn't make sense to us that heaven should be free to those who believe, what would make sense to us is that we have to work for it. No, it doesn't make sense to us that, 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 that sinners who are not forgiven of their sins are going to go to hell forever to be punished for their sins. That doesn't make sense to us. But, but, but son, the only reason we know that's going to happen is because God said so in his word, and his word is, is true. Uh, whether a person believes it or not, his word is true. So heaven and hell are real. We would have never come up with that. We would have never invented that, but we're not God. Uh, you know, in Matthew 25, it says hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. That's why, why hell was originally prepared when, when um, you know, that, that fallen angel who had been created, a, a holy angel, when Lucifer rebelled in heaven and a third of the angels went with him, I guess you could call it a coup attempt. You know, what did he think? He's going to overthrow God, the created one? He's going to overthrow the the, uh, the creator? Well, that didn't get him very far. In fact, Jesus said in the New Testament, the Gospel of Luke, he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. So he got the boot. He got kicked out. Um, and the rest is history. You know, he shows up then in the Garden of Eden, 
and 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 he uh you might say he successfully from his vantage point his you know viewpoint he successfully worked on on adam and eve and and, and led them into sin but you know the devil knows his time is short in revelation 20 verse 10 it says and the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown they will be tormented day and night forever and ever so his time is coming just like it's already come for some of these Hamas terrorists. Quite a few of them have already been killed now as Israel has responded the way that, you know, any nation has the right to respond when they're attacked. And, and so quite a number of Hamas terrorists um, have died and, and have gone to hell unless, you know, somehow miraculously they, they knew the gospel and, and before they got, you know, blown up or shot and killed or however they died, you know, unless they turned to the Lord. But um, I, I, I'm guessing that that probably didn't happen, not because God didn't want it to for them. But they chose their path. They, they chose the path of evil. Uh, they chose the path of terror. They, they they chose the path of sin and unrighteousness, and now um, you know they're going to be able to pay for their sins uh, forever in in a place of torment, and they're going to have eternity to think about whether it was worth it. You know, you know, if a person does away with hell, which you know doesn't remove it, but let's just say in their own mind they do away with hell, then 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 what do you do, son, with the Hitlers of the world? What do you do with the terrorists? What do you do with Al Qaeda? What do you do with those who? you know, attacked us in America on 9-11 or Hamas who attacked Israel. What do you do with that if there is no hell? Where's the justice then if there is no hell? Well, Jesus said there is a hell. He talked about it very, very clearly. And he said it's a place where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He said it's a place where the fire never goes out. He said everyone will be salted with fire. Now, uh, there are people who laugh at that and mock that. But I assure you, son, no one in hell today is mocking it because they know because they're in the middle of it, they know that that um, it's as real as real can be. When you're in the middle of it, how about these people in Israel today, in, in Gaza? How about, uh, you know, uh, those people who are kidnapped in Gaza today? How about those Israelis who've been attacked, those families who've had loved ones die or kidnapped? They're in the middle of it. You can't tell them that they're not going through hell right now because they are. Uh, and that hell has been unleashed upon them by these terrorists. So, um, you know, all of these things, son, are, are going on. But as you said at the very outset today of the podcast, you know, we always have this message that Alistair Begg reminded us of. We always have that to, to fall back on. That is our lifeline. That is our foundation. That is our eternal assurance. Um, that even when things in this world are falling apart, that God loves us, Christ died for us, he has an eternal home for all who will receive him by faith. Uh, you know, again, in the Gospel of John, the first chapter, yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So, Dan, what book should I read? I say start with the Gospel of John. You know, son, I've given out many copies of the Gospel of John over the years, and, and as have many Christians. It's widely distributed. Uh, the Gospel of John, and it, it's a great place to start. So, yeah, this is a, a wonderful discussion today, Son, that we're having about the most important issue we could possibly be talking about. You know, Dan, when you look at the history of Israel and those that have attacked it over the years, 
Israel has always risen to the occasion and come out victorious, even when they've been outmanned. They've been kind of like the underdog, so to speak. Um, when it talks about the Israelites being God's chosen people, and they were going to be brought to a new land, and Abraham was promised a great nation, with all this stuff that's biblical, obviously we've gotten away from a biblically-based world, and we've gotten into a politically-based world. A lot of these, uh, I don't know what you call them, ethnicities or heritages or people that we refer to, like, for example, you know, if you're Jewish, you're, that's your religion and your culture. Um, if you're Palestinian, what is that? I mean, are, are you an Arab? Are you a Muslim? Is it something else? Okay. So anyways, the point is, is that we've gotten out of the, the religious world into the political world now. So everyone's looking at what's happening in Israel from a political lens. But when you look at what's happening from a biblical lens, and I'm not even really talking about, you know, uh, revelation and old and, uh, you know, end times prophecy and stuff like that, which a lot of people are starting to jump on. But when you just look at what's happening, is God, obviously God's hand is in it, but is he going to lead Israel to victory in this? Is that something that we can look back on history and say that, you know, despite the odds, Israel always came out on top because God was involved in it like he was in, in Old Testament times when the Israelites had to go up against people, like when David had to go take down Goliath and things like that? Is God's hand in this, and can we expect Israel to come out on top? Well, you know, it's interesting, Simon, when we look at the history of God's people, and, and, and we look at the the promise that God made to Abraham. We look at what God told his people from the outset. You know, he made it very clear to them, you know, that if you obey me, um, then I'm going to protect you from your enemies. I'm going to bless your crops. I'm going to bless you. Because, I mean, there's nothing that God loves more, son, than to bless his people. I mean, God loves that more than anything else. But, But the history of the Old Testament it is a history um, where so often God's people allowed their hearts to go astray. They would forget the Lord. Sometimes they would worship false gods. They would disobey the Lord. They would not honor him. And, and what happened in those situations? Well, uh, the Lord allowed his people to go into captivity. And and, and he, he told them, you know, hey, if... If you disobey me, you know, if you don't honor me, then this is what's going to happen. So, uh, you know, God has always um, been watching out for his people. At the same time, God has made it very clear to his people that their expectations he has of, of them. You know, it's very hard for any of us to wrap our mind around the horror of the Holocaust. Um, you know, it's very, very hard for us. I mean, you, you know, Hitler, um, by by many accounts, was very involved in the occult. Uh, I mean, if there was ever a man who was demon-possessed, and there have been many. I mean, we read about them in the New Testament. Um, there have been many people demon-possessed over the centuries, but, but I can only imagine how many demons Hitler had in him. And... But but then you get down to the question of, you know, why did God allow that to happen? And and, and, and I suppose, Son, you, you, you could point to 
a whole host of, of reasons. I mean, we're, you know, where, where were, where were God's people now, you know, in Hitler's day, where, where were, where were the Christians in, there were some, but why weren't more Christians standing up and, and, and stopping Hitler before this happened? You know, you know, this whole issue of free will comes in and I'll, I'll jump back to, to the, the Jewish people here in a minute, but, but, you know, you, you think about, you think about like um, people there today, the Palestinians, and and the thing you have to wonder too is how many of those Palestinians, you know, have have been responsible for putting Hamas into the position that it's in, you know, electing you know them and and empowering them. Now, you know, I'm sure there have to be a good number of Palestinians that, that don't you know, support that, or, and certainly I would hope would not support what Hamas has just done. But my point is this, um, God, it seems throughout history, often lets things play out and, and leaves it up to human beings to put a stop to evil or not. And in the case of Hitler, um, there were too many professing Christians. Now, how many of them were really saved? Only the Lord knows. But there were too many professing Christians who did not speak up, rise up in time to stop it. Um, why haven't, you know, Palestinians risen up to prevent what has happened from, from happening? And, and so there's a culpability um, many times um, in, 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 the, in the lives of those who did not do more to stop it, or maybe they did nothing to stop it. So I just go into all that to say people are very quick to want to blame God when things go south. You know, where was God? You know, you often see this when there's like, um, you know, maybe a tornado or a hurricane or an earthquake. You know, where was God? Why did God let that happen? Uh, but but to go to your question about, you know, will, will God always be there to rescue his people? Um, God is always there for his people. And God calls his people to act like his people and to honor him. You know, it is very interesting when we come into the New Testament, when you look in the book of Romans, son, uh, there's a very interesting passage in Romans 9, verse 6, that starts to give us, a new picture of God's people. And that is, it says there, for not all who are descended from Israel are Israel. Now, now that is very, very interesting because what we start to see when we move into the New Testament, son, is there is this spiritual body of believers made up of both Jews and Gentiles that God has called unto himself to be a holy people, a chosen nation, um, and uh, a chosen people, a holy nation, uh, that, that belong to the Lord and have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. You know, I'm very blessed uh, to listen to testimonies by uh, Messianic Jews, Jewish people who've accepted Christ as Messiah, Yeshua, you know, Jesus. And there's this powerful ministry called One for Israel with all sorts of video testimonies of Jewish men and women who've come to know Christ. 
But what about all of the Jewish people who don't know Christ? Well, God loves them. God wants them to to meet uh, to meet Jesus and, and, and to be saved. And, but I go back here to uh, to Romans, you know, nine here. Not all who are descended from Israel are Israel. So today. When we say, well, who are God's people? Yes, there, there's a very real sense, obviously, that, that that the Israelis, that those are God's, you know, chosen people in history, no doubt about it. And and, and they, got, they they are still, you know, the, the apple of God's eye that, that um, you know, they are still so precious in his sight. But what about those who, who've rejected, you know, Jesus? I mean, how about those religious leaders? I mean, the Pharisees, they were Jewish. And Jesus had his harshest words for them. You know, the, the, these were the leaders of, of, of the Jewish people in Jesus's day. And many of them, not all of them, but many of them hated Jesus. They hated him. They despised him. And, and Jesus had some very, very harsh words to say to them. You know, you brood of vipers. You whitewashed tombs. I mean, I mean, he called them out because of their hypocrisy and because they rejected him. In fact, he even went so far, uh, son, on that to say he, he, he referred to them. Uh, they were talking about, you know, that they're children of Abraham and so forth. He said, no, he said, you know, your, your spiritual father is, is, is the devil. Now imagine that. Imagine this Jewish carpenter that, that these Jewish leaders thought was just out of his mind telling them that they're children of the devil. But that's exactly what Jesus did because it was true. Um, they were rejecting the very one that God had promised he would send. And so they were listening to the devil. They were not listening to God. Um, now, having said all that, um, God loves the Jewish people today. God wants Jewish people to be saved. In fact, go to Romans. You know, uh, where, 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 where Paul says, you know, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God, uh, for the salvation of, of everyone who believes, uh, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. So that's in Romans 1 16, son. I mean, that's New Testament. So that's interesting, isn't it? That the very gospel message was given first for the Jew. So that tells you right there the very, very high priority that God places on every Jewish person um, that, that Christ died for them. Yes, Christ died for us who are, are not, not Jewish by birth as well. But we are now born into God's family, into this spiritual family made up of Jews and Gentiles who accept Christ. But what about those Jews and Gentiles who don't? Well, the Bible says they're outside of the family of God. Uh, they're outside of God's grace because they've chosen to reject the one who who came here to be our savior. They, they, they've chosen to reject the one who is the fulfillment of the, of the old Testament prophecies. And, and I'll just, son, I'll just read one more verse here in, in the gospel of John. I've been, been quoting John, but um, in, in John three, once again, that chapter, uh, it says the father loves the son and has placed everything in his hands. Whoever believes in the son has eternal life. 
But whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. Couldn't be any clearer than that, son. You reject the Son, you will not see life. And, and even on those three crosses, we see that play out, don't we? One of, one of the two criminals next to Jesus uh, was saved. Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. And, and, and one of them wanted nothing to do with, with Christ uh, being his Savior. So we, we see that play out today. And, you know, you ask, well, what about, you know, the Jewish people? And it's kind of been a mixed bag throughout history in terms of obedience or disobedience. No one's been given more than the Jewish people. Uh, it, it's amazing how much hatred there is for the Jewish people. And, and Satan, you know, really stirs that up. Um, tremendous hatred. And, and today, of course, we're praying for the protection of, of, the, uh, of the Jewish people who are in harm's way right now. We also need to be praying for the protection of, uh, of the Palestinians as well. I'm talking now about, you know, the innocent uh, civilians. I'm not saying that we need to pray for the protection, obviously, of the terrorists. Um, you know, Israel has a right to defend itself. Uh, any nation has a right to respond uh, and to take out terrorists the way that um, that you know uh, uh, Israel is doing right now. So um, a lot of prayer is needed. A lot of people need prayer. The hostages, you know, uh, those who have not yet been killed by Hamas. A lot of you know civilians need 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 prayer but 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 you know it's really now going to be up to people the palestinians they're going to have to choose a side right or wrong either hand over the terrorists and expose them or or you know go along with them uh you know support what they're doing and and there's a right side and a wrong side to that um because it's not the Israelis that are out decapitating babies and kidnapping, you know, civilians, um, that's being done by uh, those in darkness, much darkness, much evil. And, you know, we can hope and pray that, you know, there'll be many Palestinians that will see the light and see what's right and, and, you know, deal with, you know, any Hamas, you know, terrorists that might be near them uh, because these are evil evildoers like Hitler who um, do not deserve uh, to, to live. Um, they deserve to be put to death. And that's what, you know, that's what Israel uh, aims to do, you know, to put them to death, just the way that they have, uh, you know, destroyed uh, so many lives. Uh, you know, when Jesus was on the cross, uh, he said, Father, forgive them, for they don't, they do not know what they're doing. Okay. That was in terms of, um, the spiritual forgiveness that God, that, that, well, that Christ wanted to be shown to those who were killing him. But, but that's a different situation there, son, than a nation. Um, being thrust into war by terrorists. You, know, you talked about Saul of Tarsus earlier and uh, becoming Paul and pretty much became the, the cornerstone of the church. When you look at, and you probably mentioned that um, what he did compared to maybe what some of these Hamas people are doing with the you know, brutality and the, the gruesome manner in which they're you know, killing innocent people. I know God can do anything, 
But is there a point that comes in a person's life that pretty much becomes the point of no return? I mean, we talked last time about um, Kat Von D, and she was apparently in witchcraft and, you know, stuff like that. But she recently was baptized, renounced all that witchcraft and stuff, and became baptized as a Christian. I mean, but is there a time where you really give yourself over and there's no coming back? There's that point of no return? Or for these uh, terrorists and others that really are engaged in some, like, gruesome, gruesome uh, activities, is there still hope? Well, I would say, Son, that on one level, um, you know, everyone, until they take their final breath, you know, still has that opportunity to repent and to believe the good news. So on one level, um, you know, as long as you're still breathing, um, you've not yet reached the point of no return. Because once you cross over to the other side, once you die, then you can't, you can't uh, come back and, and have a redo. Uh, but, but there's also another sense in which, and I think this might maybe what you're kind of getting at, I think there's another sense, too, in which some people reach a point of no return where they harden their heart to the point that um, they're never, ever going to um, to turn to the Lord because they, they, they've just hardened their heart so much. So, um, yes, I do think there's a point at which some people, you know, they'll get to a point and it's just, that's it. You know, maybe they've heard the gospel for the last time or they've, um, you know, they've hardened their heart for the last time. You know, I'll go to an extreme example, but like Hitler, I mean, at what point did he reach a point of no return? You know, uh, how many years before he died, did he reach a point where he, there was no coming back for him? Um, he, he, he was just so determined, uh, so filled with hate. Um, you know, so yeah, I, 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 but I, but on, you know, a much, you know, lesser scale than that. Uh, but, but nevertheless, uh, when we're dealing with, with, with sinful people, I do think that there are people who reach a, they, they reach a point where they're, they're gone. I mean, they're, they're never going to, um, you know, ever come back. Now, let's just use this as an example. So let's say I'm visiting a prison and I'm visiting people on death row. And let's say I visit 10 people on death row and they're all, they've all been convicted of terrible crimes, including murder and many terrible things. Okay. Um, as I sit there and talk with them, uh, let's say one by one, if any one of them asked me now, Dan, is there hope for me? Have I reached a point of no return? Well, what I'm going to tell them is um, there is still hope for you. Um, and, and, and one of the signs that that might turn out well for you is just your interest in that, which is very, you know, uh, good. Um, but there is hope for you, uh, you know, if you will repent of your sins and turn to the Lord and truly, um, you know, give your life to Christ, uh, you know, what more could I say? I mean, I, I can't, I can't say to a person, well, no, there's no hope for you because you've been convicted of, you know, seven murders. So there's no hope for you. I mean, on a human level, I don't know that any of us would be inclined to think there's hope for that person, but, but, um, you know, God has forgiven some very, very bad people. He's forgiven all of us. We've done plenty of bad things. Maybe not in our eyes, but in God's eyes. 
Um, so there is hope, but I think the reality of the situation, Son, is that there are many people who just, um, they've so hardened their heart to God and they're just not interested. They're, 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 they're not turning to the Lord in any sense of the word. Um, they've hardened their, their, their hearts. And, and so in that sense, there seems to be no coming back for them, uh, for, uh, for them. And that's why it is so important for people to respond to the message when they hear it, when they're presented with the gospel, when they're presented with God's message, because if a person says no, then their heart gets a little bit harder. And, and that's why, for example, it says in the New Testament, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For example, in Hebrews, um, you can get to a point where you don't, you, you don't even hear God's voice. And what I mean by that, not an audible voice that you're hearing, but but there, there's no sense in which God is inviting you to come to him. You don't hear his voice. You don't, you don't respond to it. Today, if you hear his voice, you're not hardening your heart. So there are people who've hardened their heart. And, and, and because of that, they've essentially reached a point of no return, not by God's choice, but by their choice. But like I say, if I'm sitting there with 10 people on death row, um, I'm not going to say to someone, well, there's no hope for you. Um, now, if they just flat out reject the message and maybe I have a chance to talk to them and, and uh, they want nothing to do with it, then I can certainly tell them, well, you know, this, this, is, what, um, this is what that will mean for you if you die um, with, with that with that attitude and, and, and that, uh, response to Christ, if you're going to reject him, then, you know, he'll reject you and you'll face him on judgment day and you'll be sent to hell. Uh, and, 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 and I would, I would want them to know that, that that's what they're choosing. But, but on the other hand, if they're concerned for their soul, if they're sorry for their, for their sins, I'm not going to sit there and say, Oh no, there's no hope for you. Uh, Christ's blood cannot quite cover your sin. Um, but I do know on a human level, and that's all, that's very hard, especially for, you know, victims, victims, families. Um, that's a very tough pill to swallow for a lot of people. Uh, and, and, and are they, are they sorry? Are they, are they born again now? Did they accept Christ as savior? And, you know, it's obviously very raw. I mean, if you're, if you're someone whose loved one has been killed by somebody on death row, it's always amazing sign. You see these stories of people who like go and they, they choose to forgive. The, the the person who killed their their son or their daughter. I mean, it, it just kind of blows your mind. Um, and it's like, wow, how do you do that? And they say, well, you know, the love of Jesus in my heart. I mean, I just I have no choice but to forgive. And and that and that's the sort of thing, son. That, that you know, we we just can't explain. You know, from a human level, you you just it, it, it's off the charts. Um, we 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 don't. We don't know how to explain that uh, because the love of God for the most unworthy, um, or at least who we think is the most unworthy, um, that 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 just blows our minds. So I'm glad that you mentioned, you know, the the three crosses and 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 the guy that got saved. Um, he didn't deserve it any more than we deserve it, but he wasn't saved because he deserved it. He say he was saved because he called on the Lord, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, the Bible says, will be saved. So. That's the message that we've been given. Um, we've been saved, even though we don't deserve it. And we really have to be careful if we start to uh, play judge and jury, because that's not our role. Our role is to proclaim the message, to pray. And it's the role of the state, by the way, um, to punish the wrongdoer.
That's the role of the state. Not not eternally, of course. That's God's that's God's realm. But uh, you know, in Romans, you know, it talks about the role of the state, and it's there to punish the wrongdoer. And so that's what Israel is doing right now. They're punishing the wrongdoer. Um, and and that was that's what happens in America every day in courtrooms all across America. When convicted people are handed down sentences, you know, the wrongdoers are being punished. It's called justice. Um, and, and where do we get that idea? Well, from our creator. He created us with a sense of justice. And, 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 and he's given us the smarts to know that if you don't um, hand out justice to those who are out decapitating babies, they're going to keep doing it. And, and if you want a society where that's happening, then just let them go. You know, don't keep them in jail. Don't punish them. Or in the case of Israel, don't, don't go out and kill them. You know? Um, and they'll just keep doing it. They'll keep doing it. They'll keep, so that's the role of the state. That's different than our role as Christians. Um, you know, uh, now, of course, if you're a Christian in the military, then that's different. You know, um, if you're a Christian in the military, then, um, you know, you have a responsibility. Uh, you know, you know, son, we have talked and, and, uh, you, you, you know, you've interviewed, you know, your father who was in Vietnam, you know, and, and was in some, some very, uh, challenging situations there. And, and when you're in war as a Christian, the way your dad was, I mean, um, you know, you, you do what has to be done. Um, and while also trying to minister God's message to whoever you can, but, but those are two different realms, um, the spiritual realm and then the realm of the state and and both of those play out according to a, an orderly process. That's the hope, anyway. It many times doesn't happen here in this world. I mean, the, the withdrawal from Afghanistan was anything but orderly. It was terrible. What a fiasco. Many examples like that, you know, where things don't operate the way they're supposed to in this world. You know, I mean, people have even wondered now, I mean, what happened with the security breakdown with Hamas? And, you know, why... Why wasn't that, why wasn't that caught ahead of time? You know, so those are questions that people are starting to ask. Um, but we live in an imperfect world where we don't have all the intelligence that we would like to have. Even with as, as wonderful and skilled as the Israeli intelligence people are and the American intelligence people. I mean, sometimes, I mean, hey, we saw with 9-11, you know, sometimes even with the best efforts that, that man can give, the evildoers are still going to find a way to carry out evil. Um, and, and that's, that's tragic, but that's the world in which we live and praise God. There's another world. Praise God. There's paradise where that won't happen, where there'll be not a single evildoer. Um, the evildoers will be in hell, uh, but, but paradise will be for those, uh, who belong to God and, and the way to belong to God is, is to come to Jesus uh, repent of your sins, believe in him, and he'll start to work in your heart and in your life. So it's a glorious thing, son, that we've been given, the good news. And, you know, we continue to try and reach whoever we can with it. Uh, yes, indeed. And if there's any or ever a time for prayer, now would be the time because uh, just the way the world is going. Dan, we appreciate your time and your insights as always. And we thank you for uh sharing them with us, and we look forward to our next conversation. And if you uh, would like to hear other podcast episodes, you can go to our website, 
RadioWarp.com. That's Radio W-A-R-P, RadioWarp.com. You can look for the Sanctified Reason podcast logo. Click on it, and all of our past shows pop up. You can also listen pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts, and you can also go to our uh, Instagram page, Sanctified Reason Podcast, and they're all listed there as well. So uh, pretty easy to find. And so uh, email the show as well, sanctifiedreasonpodcast at gmail.com, sanctifiedreasonpodcast at gmail.com. You uh, send us an email, and we will definitely reply. So once again, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend. And until next time, God bless.